This is Working the Beat. It is Monday, April 27, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Curran. Glad you can join us as we look at the NFL draft and how the Eagles did in the only sports story that really matters at this point. I mean, you know, you look at other you look at other stuff going on and all of it's well, what could happen? Well, the NFL draft did happen, and we're going to have Les Bowen on to talk about it. And a strange, <clears throat> excuse me, strange uh, setup for the Eagles, obviously. Uh, first two picks got panned. I think everybody would agree picks from the third round on. They probably did a decent job. You don't know that until you get down the road and you see what these guys do once you put pads on and play games and two or three years, and you go, oh, this guy's on the roster, this guy's not. And, you know, if guys are contributing. So we'll talk to, to to less about it, especially the Jalen Hurts pick. The Jalen Hurts pick is the one that I know Mr. Kern and I actually called each other on Friday night when it happened. And uh, I'll, I'll tell the story to Les. When I saw that his partner, Jeff McClain, tweeted that the Eagles were taking Jalen Hurts, I thought it was a fake account. I thought it was a uh, – I had to do a, 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 a double take to make sure – that um that it wasn't a phony account and uh but it wasn't Jalen Hurts is going to be the Eagle uh, they have their backup quarterback set I'm not sure you need to get him in the 53rd pick but okay we'll talk about that with uh, less coming up um and Michael join us as well once we get on the other side of the commercial uh Wednesday on this program uh, and it's a early week this week we're going Monday Wednesday uh, we're going to do Shane Victorino on Wednesday. Shane has gone back to us. Uh, he was busy with some stuff out, out at his home, uh, but we're thrilled. We're going to talk to him. It's going to be more of a nostalgia show. Obviously, what happened with the 2008 club, a lot of talk about the 08 and 80 Phillies. Uh, Jim Salisbury did a remarkable thing um, playing Stratomatic and seeing who would have won. Uh, potential series between the two teams, and uh, he had the OA, or he had the eighty Phillies rather winning six games. So, talk to Shane about some stuff like that. We'll catch up with him, what he's up to, what he thinks right now, this current state of baseball, and especially right now as they debate whether they're going to be able to go back or not and uh, play again. So uh, that will be this week. Uh, Larry Bo, we're hoping to get on early next week um, as we're. Kind of looking towards baseball maybe being the first one. The NBA actually took an interesting step, and Mike and I will talk about that on the other side of the interview with Wes. That they are uh, they are going to um, they're going to open up camps this week, or they're going to open up the training facilities for guys to go work out. So that's going to be a fascinating development as we move closer. And it appears the NHL is getting closer and closer to maybe doing that. Uh, themselves and and getting guys set to go uh for whatever season is going to to go after all this i mean that's the big part you don't know what kind of season it's going to be after this uh with you know you have to wait and see where um guys conditioning is and and actually gary bettman had mentioned that so uh so it'll be interesting to see where things are headed uh with the two winter sports leagues 
after we're all done here. So that is our show. It's going to be Les Bowen uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News talking Eagles. And we'll also talk about the kind of the dynamic of what's going on with the NBA and the NHL. So that is next as we're here on Working the Beat and we'll be back right after these messages. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work of the Beat podcast family. Three, two, and joining us now, one of the uh, trio of fine beat writers for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News, covering the Philadelphia Eagles. He had a busy week weekend, and as he just mentioned before we got in the intro, you know, NFL writers were ones who had a big run up, while everybody else has kind of been, you know, trying to fill space at this point these guys did a and lot all, of work and all their predictions were so correct exactly it's <laughs> less did you have them taking a quarterback in the second round nope <laughs> less <laughs> bowen joins us all right less um I, I guess we'll start with the obvious how floored were you by by jalen hurts you know i'm still i just finished a tweet about that as we were coming on here i it just gets weirder and weirder guys it's uh don't say that, Les. I can't. I can't take weirder. Well, there's a John Clark. We we did. Let me back up a little. We, we did ved, video conferences with Howie and Doug Peterson and Andy Weidel over the weekend, and they kept saying this isn't about Carson. It isn't about Carson. Blah 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 blah. So there's a clip John Clark tweeted. He did a separate with uh, with Howie, where Howie's talking about 2012 and how they thought they were going to get Russell Wilson and then draft Nick Foles, and the Seahawks got in front of them and got Russell Wilson. Well, what's the problem with that analogy? Well, beside the fact that both have won the same amount of Super Bowls, Nick Foles and Russell Wilson, but that's all different. Right, story. but the bigger problem is the Eagles just gave $120 million <laughs> to a quarterback named Carson Wentz, and he's acting like, well, you pick a quarterback here and you pick a quarterback there and you just see how it all turns out, you know. No, I mean, <laughs> I. it's almost like they're, that Wentz has one foot out the door or something. I don't want to be like a hot take uh, talk radio guy here, but it's just a bizarre thing to do. Uh, if you did it to try to have like a Taysom Hill type situation where you can run – gadget plays and stuff that almost makes sense but not in the second round not when you only had two picks in the top 100 and that was one of them you know i mean they could have used a a a corner that could start for the next eight years they could have used another wide receiver they could have used a linebacker they could use an edge rusher and they were all there all guys that were very highly regarded i wrote about that today in the inquirer in the daily news you know you can find 
Well, everybody that went after Hertz in the second round, and then everybody in the third round, up until their third round pick, the linebacker Taylor, uh, they just not only are they undermining Wentz by picking by take by putting a guy in who's you know their second round pick, they passed on a chance to give Wentz something that would make the team better, you know, this year and, or next year. And unless uh, le- the other point on this is, they made such a big deal Thursday night about they couldn't trade up, they couldn't. Oh, yeah. Package yeah. the pick to Atlanta. Good point. Yeah. That you needed to protect these high round picks. And that's okay. If you're not going to make the trade with Atlanta for that reason, because you feel like you have different holes to fill and all that, that's fine. Yep. Then you don't take a backup quarterback at 53. You just don't. Or a gadget quarterback or whatever the hell they right. want to describe this as. Well, maybe he's your starting quarterback at some point. Well, well, I'm sure I'm that's saying, the, I'm, but, I'm, but again, you've yeah. you've given 128 million dollars sure. to the other guy. Yeah. Uh, most people would say that you need a capable backup quarterback, but not someone who every time let's every time Wentz has a hiccup, uh, talk radio is going to just have Christmas. You know, uh, you just don't draft. Uh, a second round quarterback unless you think he's going to be your quarterback it's i don't know of anyone who's ever done that i i'd love for someone to point point out a, a precedent for this i just haven't seen it yeah it's almost like i think kevin and i have talked about this but when when somebody wins a championship because i've seen it happen in other things too look every team thinks they know what they're doing or they won't be doing mm-hmm. it i mean that, that's okay they won a championship, and it was a miracle, but it happened, and they should get credit for that. And all the moves Howie made that year worked and, and all that, and Foles, they had Foles. But it's almost like it's given them license now to say, well, yeah, we're the smartest people in the room, and, and this may work out. I'm not saying yeah. it can. I don't well, know what's going to happen down the road, but it's almost like they're saying, hey, you know, like we could have taken all these guys that would have helped us, but now we're going to do this because we know what – and it just – it almost defies, but but since they won a Super Bowl two years ago, it's almost like you're a little bit reluctant to call them straight. Right. Well, and, and, the, and even and even the only team that's ever really won a Super Bowl that way. People bring up Jeff Hostetler and Doug Williams. Those are a very different situation. Sure. People forget now because Sims, Phil Sims, ended up having a an amazing career. But Jeff Hostetler actually went into after winning the Super Bowl, went into the next season as the starting quarterback for the Giants, and Sims was his backup. And, right. That didn't work, and, uh, you know, uh, they went back to Sims. But And Doug Williams, you know, the guy he was playing for wasn't any good either. Schrader, you know, uh, the, the, see, literally the only time in Super Bowl history a true backup quarterback has come in, you know, and taken over for a franchise quarterback and won a Super Bowl. And it's unlikely to happen again. Yeah. I mean, Let's... I guess they think maybe they could have beaten Seattle if uh, they'd gotten better quarterbacking in that playoff game than 40-year-old Josh McCown. I thought McCown was fine. Given their lack of weapons, I thought McCown did everything you could possibly do. Uh, He did tear his hamstring uh, uh, totally. But, uh, you know, the idea that you're going to win playoff games with some sort of other quarterback Mm -hmm. uh, just isn't something that most NFL teams go around thinking. Yes, how much of what the Saints have done, and they're the only team that's done this, and they did it with an undrafted free agent. Right. 
and he does a lot of other things besides kind of just play quarterback. How much do you think that influenced them? I guess it did. I think there's a lot of talk around the NFL about the way the Saints offense runs. You know, LSU took those concepts, uh, not the extra quarterback, but some of the offensive concepts that the Saints use uh, with Brady, Joe Brady, uh, you know, and won a, a college national championship. And I guess there's a thought that you're going to incorporate some of that stuff into what you do, but again, not with a second round pick. And the New Orleans situation is interesting. I mean, Drew Brees is 40 years old. Uh, you know, they, they have Taysom Hill there, and they also apparently now have Jameis Winston, Winston. Yeah. who would have been somebody that you could have brought in here, and I don't think people would have been nearly as uh, as woo as they are with Jalen yeah. Or Flacco, or, I mean, yeah. you're not bringing Cam Newton in, but Flacco would have been an obvious right. guy too. I mean, so... Right. Would it cost you know, more money? They do though, have right? a little bit of a point there in that a lot of these uh, big time De- decent money. starters make money, mm-hmm. you know, and they've got all this money invested in Wentz, and they can't really invest heavily in a backup quarterback. But I understand Wentz is taking—I mean, not Winston—Winston is taking a huge uh, pay cut to go play behind Drew Brees. But again. Drew Brees is 40, and Winston's thinking, well, you know, I'll just uh, get myself in here, learn their offense, and, and see what happens, you know. Um, uh, Mel Kuyper had this. I, I can't imagine just seeing Carson Wentz in this light. Mm-hmm. I really can't. No. Mel Kuyper had an interesting stat in his draft review the other day from NFL Next Gen. Uh, the Saints ran 206 plays last year with two quarterbacks on the field. The rest of the NFL combined ran 10. So mm-hmm. if they're trying to be the Saints – only the Saints want to be the Saints at this point. Right. And, I, I, you know, I just... And do you really want Carson Wentz lined up at wide receiver as a dummy or some crap? I mean, you know, the Saints have had some success, but when they first started doing that, and really even still now, there are people in the league who say... Why are you taking Drew Brees off the field? Drew Brees. Yeah. Why is this guy on the field? <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, you don't, uh, you know, you don't send the backup point guard in for Allen Iverson uh, just to mix things up. <laughs> the, the last thing on the, on the Hertz point, at least from my end, Mike may have more, but, and it goes to a, a, kind of Mike's earlier question with the arrogance or the, the mm-hmm. hubris or whatever the hell you want to use. How he made a comment in the press conference. And I think it was on your question, or it might've been on McLean's question about, you know, we've won a lot of games around here the last three years. And in a way, he's right, because you look at the overall number, and, and it's really good. It's 10 games over 500, but they also, you know, had a 10-game lead or something. like It was like 13 right. games over 500. The last two years, they're 9-7. and seven, Right. And they're 1-2 and two in the playoffs. Yes. Do you think they understand that maybe their success is also a product of they play in an awful division, or they've played in an awful division that's kind of let them slide through? Yeah, that kind of caught my attention, too. They really haven't won an awful lot of games. I mean, they won an awful lot of games three years ago, and they, they've won games since then. They had a really nice run to the playoffs after being 5-7 and seven this past season. That run almost totally accomplished by Carson Wentz uh, with very little help from anyone. <laughs> uh, you know, I that was weird, and the whole quarterback fact. I thought you were going to – 
go to the quarterback factory quote. Well, that uh, too. That I mean, they that... want to have a quarterback factory, and that's just I. Ah, you know, I <laughs> I don't get that. Uh, I I don't what that has to do with anything. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's just outlandish. Is this colleges, is this Howie or Doug? No, colleges have or quarterback factories. You know, or linebacker factories or running right. back factories, not pro teams. You get a right. quarterback, you want them to be there for 10, 12 years. Yes. Do you, do you think yes. this is Howie or Doug? Oh, it's got to be Howie, I think. Uh, I, I mean, Doug might be intrigued with, you know, the uh, the gadget part of it, but having uh, undermining the starting quarterback, Doug understands. Doug played with Brett Favre and – you know, there weren't a, they had Mark Brunel for a little while, I guess, but uh, there was a reason why Doug was the backup. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, it, I, I can't imagine this is really Doug. Yeah. Les, when you talked around the league, or, or like how was Jalen Hurts considered? Like, I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy. I thought in college, mm-hmm. you know, everything he did, and he played for a team that had the last two Heisman Trophy winners, and he almost won it. Um, right. But do people pers- – because I saw two weeks before the draft where maybe people had him maybe being late first round, early second. Then people were saying, well, no, he wouldn't have went to the third or whatever. But do you think at some point he could be a starting quarterback in this league and maybe not be elite but be pretty good? You know, I have to admit, Mike, that I didn't really study him. Yeah, you had no reason. No chance whatsoever <laughs> that he was going to be an eagle. Right. Uh, I know he had a, a – my, a lot of my impressions about him might be unfair because they were formed by his time in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really watch him this year with Oklahoma. He had some great stats at Oklahoma. Everybody talked about how he had cleaned a lot of things up and he was a much better quarterback and a much more viable you know, passer than he had been at Alabama. I just remember that national championship game at Alabama where they had to bench him to dig out of a deep hole. Right, with Tua. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there is a trend here. We see the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, and you know who knows that what might be successful in the league right now. Yeah, Kyler Murray's like that kind of quarterback too, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I it's it's interesting, but again, after you pay your quarterback, you know, it's almost like getting married, and then you know looking looking around the bar at other women or something, you know, after you pay your quarterback, I don't know, you know, how many of those you really need. Uh, well, it's almost like if they hadn't taken Hurts, and let's say they'd gotten to the fifth round when the quarterback from Washington State and from yes. went, you know, and you took one of those guys, and maybe you could sit there and go, okay, you know, maybe one of these guys can be de- – that would have seemed to like to make more sense to me unless they yeah. thought they weren't going to get one of those guys. Right. It would have made a lot more sense to me if they anybody they take in like the fourth round. You think, okay, you know, I mean, with Thorson last year with Clayton Thorson, nobody really jumped on him for that. Even though, and maybe this played into their thinking. I don't know, but that turned out to be a disaster. He was terrible and uh, didn't even make the practice squad. They ended up on Dallas's practice squad. But uh, second round is uh, is a round where you draft starters in the NFL yeah. and. Uh, that's that's a kind of a, a thing that they really can't talk their way past, I don't think. Mm. Uh, switching from Jalen uh, Hurts to Jalen Rieger. Um, 
you know, and, and this is obviously going to be, you know, they had a decision when they got the 21, but they also had a decision at 16. They could have gone, in theory, with the pick they used on Hurts, they could have gone up and trade with the Falcons, maybe got CeeDee Lamb and kept them away from the from the Cowboys. Is it going to be Rieger's going to be judged by more by Lamb or Jefferson in your mind? Ah, that's a good question. Um, or both. Both, I think. I think people will look at that as an either or. We don't know. The only real – well, there were two chances to, to move up ahead of Dallas. One was several picks before that when the San Francisco traded uh, traded out of one of their spots. They flip uh, with uh, Tampa. Yeah. Now, that would have been a pretty big move up. But yeah. then you had Atlanta at 16. And by that time, you knew – you know, uh, CD lamb was still there and it had to be either Atlanta was going to take him or, uh, you know, uh, Dallas or, you know, or he might slide to you. And I just, I I think I would have really tried to get to 16. I don't know that they could have it. Atlanta has subsequently said they didn't want to trade their pick and blah, blah, blah. But, but they also reached for that corner. Yeah, if if you give somebody real value, you know, usually they take it. Uh, so I think uh, I think Lamb will be in the discussion. I think Jefferson even more because they left him on the board. Right. I think really all these guys. I mean, if Brandon Ayuk or Denzel Mims ends up being a, a true superstar, yeah. Yeah. you know, I this is the guy they picked out of that whole group, just like McNabb in 1999. You know, and you you gauge against all of them. Uh, and it's a tough position to put Jalen Rieger in. And to go back to our previous discussion, it would be a less tough position if you'd taken Denzel Mims in the second, second round. round. Yeah. And and, and that yeah. was the, it passed on Mims twice, which is remarkable. And after the Cowboys take, after the Cowboys take um, a, a lamb. Okay. And then everybody spent Thursday night going, look at their weapons between Gannett and, and right. Cooper and lamb and you have Zeke and everything. I thought second round they would look at safety. I thought they'd look maybe another corner. Um, just because of the way that the offense is going to change when you have to go up against Dallas. And that's what made that quarterback pick again right. more baffling. It, it just... Yeah, it did. It really did. The, the thing with Dallas, it's a double-edged sword for Dallas. I mean, they added another weapon to an already in, incredible... But their defense is still weapon. awful. Yeah, exactly. They they did help it later on, but they didn't get that first round talent. And and you know, it's going to be real interesting to see how this works out to Dallas. Everybody's giving them a lot of kudos for their draft, but their defense wasn't good last year and got worse through free agency when they let some guys walk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they really did enough to you know, they're they're a team that's going to if their offense is sitting on the bench while the other team has the ball all the time, Doesn't that's matter. not going to work out great for them. But, you know, but it's still an interesting, interesting dynamic. And you're right. That might, to me, that would have increased the need to do something in the second round to counter what Dallas was doing. Les, I know there was a need for speed. Okay. Mm-hmm. It seemed like last year they drafted a guy they thought was going to be um, Alshon's replacement. Now it seems like they've drafted the guy who's going to be Deshaun's replacement. And I get that. That's fair. Yeah. But was the reason that they went that way instead of Jefferson more of a fit thing? Because you know, every, 
all but one of Jefferson's catches, I think, came from from uh, inside. Mm -hmm. Was that you thought went into their thinking? I think fit and speed, you know, which are kind of interchangeable. And I worry a little bit about that in that you needed better receivers and you needed for the team to get faster. I thought mostly you needed for the defense to get faster for the Eagles, but they went into this offseason with this speed, 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 speed thing, you know, and they really made almost all their picks about speed. But it's not that simple. You know, you can't just isolate one trait and say, we're going to go this way, you know, and change your team. Uh, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is there are plenty of great receivers in the NFL who aren't who don't run a 4-3, you know, and – the fact that they weren't that fast last year wasn't the biggest problem. The biggest problem was that they weren't that good. Yep. <laughs> uh, I like getting faster, but I don't know that you make that when you're looking at all these wide receivers, you don't say, Oh, we have to have one of the fastest ones because we're going for speed. You know, I, I think you look at the best one. <laughs> right. And, and, <laughs> the, and the other part of this is the fact that, you know, you trade for Goodwin who can't get on the field at this point. Right. He, he, they gave him Goodwin away. The 49ers. Right. And, and, that, moved, and that was the interesting part. If you waited yeah. two days, you probably would have got him off the waiver wire if you really were yeah. that interested in him. You right. have Jackson, who is injury prone. Yeah, he, he doesn't move the needle much at all for me. I mean, no. he's an interesting player, but he's been hurt so much, and he really hasn't you know, been a valuable asset to anybody the last couple of years. Maybe he has a good year here. Maybe he just helps teach the young guys in camp or something. I don't know. But, yeah, that didn't that didn't do a lot for me. It, Les, was there anybody they took later? Um, and I guess he, that would even maybe include the third-round guy. But that you think – I mean, you're hoping, I guess, in those late picks you get lucky, you get a Kelsey, you know, yeah. sixth round yeah. some year. But do you see maybe one or two of those guys who you think – and I, this season's going to be so weird anyway. I don't know if I should say this right. year helped them would help them at some point, maybe even become a starter? Yeah, sure. I, I think you can say that. I think a lot of people like this John Hightower that they took in the fifth round, the wide receiver from uh, Boise. Mm -hmm. uh, then the uh, offensive tackle from Auburn, Prince, uh, the guy from Nigeria. I, I think he has incredible tools, a really interesting backstory, and it's kind of hard to to assess him. He hasn't played a lot of football. He's coming off knee surgery, but again, a guy with, with great potential, you know, it, for what they were, I liked all their third day picks, but the problem is they're all third day picks. Yeah. Kind of what I wrote about today is, you know, fa some fans were getting all excited about, they added this guy and they added that guy and they're all fast, but the percentage of third day picks that end up being quality starters in the long term is very, very low. And they really have to hope that they hit on multiple uh, guys here that are really, you know, really above the the average for the fourth or fifth or sixth round. Yeah. Do you have a sense right now? I mean, we, we know they're starting, you know, we, we talked about this before we started uh, recording. They're starting this virtual program now, the, mm -hmm. like basically virtual OTAs, if you will. Um, yeah. Do you have a sense how much confidence they have that they'll be in training camp in, in late July, or are they kind of like everybody else on hold? I think they have no idea. I mean, you hear things all over the map. 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of NFL people think there will be a season just because of the TV money. Somehow there will be a season, maybe without fans. But the counter to that is the way things are right now, to do something like that, unless something changes, unless there's a vaccine or a cure or something, you know, a treatment that works. I was just going to say better therapeutics, yeah. Yeah. It, it, to do that, you'd have to isolate everybody involved. Uh, and keep them in isolation, like astronauts, you know, flying to Mars or something. And that would be, you know, not only the players, but all the coaches, all the equipment people, uh, the people, you know, I don't know, feeding them in the cafeteria, right. the doctors, the trainers. I, I can't imagine doing that long term. Well, supposedly but, we're real close, though, if you listen to the daily briefings you probably haven't been listening to them because you were working you know too i have uh, <laughs> you didn't yeah. miss any you didn't so, miss much less i know uh unless we're all going to swig bleach and be magically cured i i don't see the mechanics of it seem ridiculous to me right now but things can change and maybe it'll look different in a month or two months i think that's what they're hoping but that's kind of the underlying problem i'm glad we brought this up with the NFL's whole approach up to now, everybody was real happy that the NFL was doing the draft because there's nothing going on, yada, yada. Right. But the NFL has sort of been pretending up to now that everything's normal. Yep. We have our draft, yeah. you know, but now what? I mean, you can't, you're in the same boat as the other sports now when it comes to actually getting people together and trying to do group activities. You're not, yeah, your your illusion of normalcy has just ended, mm-hmm. and I, boy, I don't know. I, I this is, I mean, maybe it's obvious, but I feel like I need to say it anyway. This is the damnedest thing I've ever tried to cover. I mean, I don't. There's never been anything like this in our lifetime, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I I have no idea where it's going. Well, and, Plus, and, go ahead, Mike. Like, yeah, there's there's been a lot of talk with colleges obviously mm-hmm. because they may not be on campus in September or whatever. Right. That maybe they would play, you know, January, February, March, whatever, however they would figure this mm-hmm. out. Um, could you see maybe a scenario where the NFL, if people projected it might be better in January and February than it is in September and October, where they could maybe even push it back? And I know we'd have a glut of sports maybe yeah. at that point, but we wouldn't care. we take it. Um, I get it. I mean, the weather in the outdoor cities is going to be – kind of rough but in comparison to the other problems that are being faced i guess they could tough that out Uh, i don't know if they've thought about that or not i really don't uh i do feel they want to do something uh you know for tv and uh, i don't know what that's going to be shortened season neutral sites uh you know i I don't know it's well uh, well, it's fascinating to think about all the possibilities but until there's more definition. You don't have any idea what what possibilities are real. And, yeah. and this brings up the Schefter quote uh, from Sa- uh, from Saturday, I guess it was. Days are kind of merging together. Um, mm-hmm. We're ba- basically, in part of justifying the Jalen Hurts pick, um, he, he, yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, he said that basically <laughs> because of COVID-19, the teams are trying to, beef up their backup quarterbacks because if a, if a starting quarterback gets COVID-19, you have to have a good backup that's going to go in. If you have a starting quarterback that gets COVID-19, the team's shutting down and maybe the league's shutting yeah. down at that point. 
Yeah, that's what happened. To, the whole start of this was, was the uh, NBA. The NBA, you know, the player for the Jazz. Uh, you know, you can't. If somebody gets this, you're not going to go play with the guys that haven't gotten it yet. Uh, right. I, I don't think. I mean, I, I just don't see how that would work. I, I think maybe he was just scrambling for an explanation, like the rest of us. <laughs> and, the th- and the thing is, we don't. We we could sit there and plan this, and like life could look to be better by Ju- June, July, or August. I, and then, like some of these experts are predicting, we could get to the fall and we could have issues again. Yes, you, know, you could yeah. have the best laid plan, and yeah. all of a sudden, like you say, Rudy Gobert shows up, and we're right back to square right. one through nobody's fault. Yeah, I'm trying not to think about this because. Deep down, I'm thinking, okay, there'll be a day when they reopen locker rooms and all that stuff. I'm 64 years old. Do I really want to be uh, in those places? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I yeah, I just can't envision what the scenario will be. If, if it's a scenario where I'm confident that this won't dramatically affect my life, I guess I will. But uh, I don't know right now. But that's a decision. That's a hell of a decision to have to make for your job. Well, they could always bring the play. I mean, the one thing they could do is bring players out. You just won't be able to do your job maybe in a locker room. But, you know, Les, you might have to get on an airplane. You might have to stay in a hotel. I mean, you know, things like that. That I'm almost the same age as you, and I've started to think the same way. Like, really? Like, do I want to take that chance that I might have to get you know, go in a hospital or be on a ventilator or God forbid die or give it to my yeah. wife. I don't, these are really hard decisions that I don't think people are really because we want to get over it so much. I mean, that's the natural tendency. Right. I, I understand that, but man, this has so many and, and everybody's different. You know, the guy right. who's 35 years old who hasn't gotten a paycheck for six weeks, he's going to look at it differently than I'm going to look at it. Oh, absolutely. And if I were in that situation, even at my age, I might feel differently. I really do feel for people. This is kind of divided along political lines, but I completely understand if you can't feed your family or pay. Absolutely. That you got, you can't tolerate this and you don't want this to go on. Now the people who are all about their freedom being affected. Yeah. Miss me with that. But, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, you can't shut down the economy forever and and have a functioning society no, i mean that's true uh and i don't know how much longer we can do it and have a functioning society i really don't uh and it's uh, these are just uh trying times yeah and we do need sports i mean we can make all the fun of it that you know it's the circus or it's whatever and it's our toy store but, yeah yeah and i mean you're i mean you're you know obviously soccer is the biggest thing in the world they've shut down i mean they've yeah. I think people have to come to the realization at some point that we might not have sports for a while longer than we think we're not going to have. Sports. Right. Cause I remember when this first started, Kevin and I would sit here and we say, Oh, you know, May 1st, you know, baseball will be back, you know, don't yeah. be doing this or the NBA will be back. And now you're looking at it and we're talking about 2000. I mean, they're talking about the Olympics might not even be able to be how an Olympics would be next year. Like, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Les. It is, it's so, uh, I happen to be, I guess, a little more than a month ago, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I, w- I had to go to Chattanooga for a, some a family thing and uh, a, a cousin. And, uh, you know, this was just starting. That was when the Rudy Gobert thing happened and the NBA shut down while I was out there. And I, I flew back that Saturday 
and I'm making jokes on Twitter about, well, you know, I would wear a mask, but I really can't drink very well uh, through the mask, you know, and stuff like that. And you, know, you saw a few people with masks, but it all seemed like kind of just an odd thing that would, you know, yeah. that kind of briefly interrupted our lives. And here we are, you know, uh, I just didn't have any idea even then, right. you know, what we were getting into. Well, let's back to football for a second. If you look at this roster right now, are they any better than they were when they left the field against Seattle? Yeah, I think, well, for one thing, half their players were hurt. When they right, left the that's field true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think they are. They've, uh, they made some free agent additions, defensive tackle, cornerback with Darius Slay, not a free agent, but a right. trade. Um, I think they're, uh, I think Rieger immediately improves their wide receiving core. Um, yeah, they're better, but so are other teams. We just talked about right. Dallas as a draft and how people are giving them A++. And I, I kind of think on at first glance, everybody in the division had a good draft. Of course, the Redskins and the Giants were picking down, you know, for a reason. we ought to have a good draft. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's something you're going to have to deal with, you know, unless a team is just incompetently run in the NFL, if you're drafting – at the top of the every round, you should be able to improve your team. Daniel, Daniel Snyder. <laughs> so Daniel Snyder. Looking, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is good. You know, um, I, I do think, you know, these teams are going to get better. They're not, now, I think Daniel Snyder does keep the Redskins from ever being like a true Super Bowl team. I think, you know, that's the case. And I even think in Dallas that Jerry, with his post-game press conferences where he second-guesses the coach and the players, I think that's a circus, and that's something that maybe keeps Dallas from being as good as it should be with the talent that it has. But New York, there's no reason why the Giants can't be good. Uh, they've kind of flailed around here for several years, but you know that's a decently run organization. They have new people in there, and... Uh, you know, uh, I guess if you like Daniel Jones, and I kind of do, uh, you know, they're they're going to be good. But, yeah, I think the Eagles are better than they were at the end of last season. But I, I don't really think they've, they're so much better that they've gained ground. All right. Anybody. Is Alshon Jeffrey on this roster opening day? I doubt it now that they've added so many. He's going to have to come in, be really enthusiastic, really healthy, and look really good. Now, in that scenario – you know, certainly he's on the team, but he has an injury that's oh, probably that's not going to let him be 100% until well into the fall. Maybe they're not doing anything until well into the fall. We just don't know. Uh, somebody did mention on Twitter that he had taken all the Eagles references away from his, his Twitter bio. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's a talented player. They owe him a lot of money, and he'll get a chance to show something uh they desperately would like to trade him i think uh if that doesn't happen they'll just eat the the cap money assuming some of these young guys look like they're ready to play less knowing carson as, as well as you've gotten to know him over the last four years obviously better than me or better than kevin i so, wish i could but, say that i had gotten to know him well but no it's a problem least, with the guy at like least that. Be around him yeah i'm around do you think i mean I, I have my perception of him, and, you know, he's going to be the company guy, and he's going to say, yeah. when the Eagles do this, and he's sitting there 
okay, you know, and I got to tweet out something nice. I go, whatever. But how do you think inside or whatever he looks at this? You know, I talked to a, a player about this, uh, not not one of the offensive guys, but I did talk deep down inside. He has to be thinking all the things that we've just talked about, the, the weapons mm-hmm. that they could have added to the team to help him out versus having a fallback plan or a replacement plan even. I, I can't imagine – Nobody's that nice, you know, not even, I don't, maybe Nick Foles would be, but, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody in the, the very few people I've known are going to look at this in any other way than what the hell, you know, what, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I, you know, are they trying to grease the skids here for me? Uh, how's this going to look to my teammates? Uh, you know, th- those are, those would be my thoughts if I were him. Yeah. Well, your your uh, your colleague Paul Domowich mentioned on Twitter he thinks it was a a sign from the organization to kick him in the rear end. Do you think that was part of this? You know, if it is, then they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> you don't give one hundred twenty eight million dollars to a guy that you think needs to be kicked in the rear end with a second round pick at his position. Uh, there was a little bit of talk last year. Uh, Dama wrote a piece. I think Brian Baldinger might have been quoted. Uh, about that Carson wasn't paying enough attention to his mechanics and that the quarterback's coach was too much of his buddy. But if you watch those last four games, when Carson dragged them into the playoffs, uh, I I don't see him as a guy that needs a lot of kicking myself. But, you know, uh, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. I thought those last (laughs) – I thought – after questioning him for a couple of years, like, you know, when Foles did well, and why did mm-hmm. they do well with Foles? Maybe more so than whatever. I thought those last four or five games put that behind us. Yes. You know, kind of like, okay, the team stunk. Carson will just, not will, that's a bad word, but, but led us to a couple wins over right. bad teams, but still teams we had to beat. And I thought we were past that, that, that's another exactly. part of this that took me by surprise. Well, we were until that Seattle game and he got, Concussed, yeah. you know, in the first quarter. And that could happen to anybody. I mean, that's not like hurting his knee again or, or anything like that. But it was just tremendous bad luck for him. I think it opened up the whole deal, you know. I think it would have been better for him if they had somehow missed the playoffs that he had played well down the stretch, yeah. you know, uh, because he had a healthy season. It wasn't a magnificent season. But it was a completely healthy season. And, uh, you know, and then to have this happen in the playoff game, it kind of does open doors again for the Wentz haters. And this opens it wider. Drafting Jalen Hurts has really put the uh, Nick Foles Society uh, back in the back in the the blue. You know, they're really uh, all out there on Twitter now. Les Bowen from the Inquirer and Daily News. Les, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Have a uh, have a little good downtime here. Uh, after yeah. the draft, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I hopefully as we get closer to the season. Thanks, guys. This Les, was just stay safe. Stay safe, Les. Just stay safe. You guys too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Okay, babe. Thanks, Les. Yeah. You're welcome. Our thanks to Les Bowen for joining us here on Working the Beat as we uh, broke down what was an interesting NFL draft. And you and I talked about this uh, over the weekend. Back to the hurts. before we get in that, can I just say something real quick about Les? Sure. I think. And I'm obviously biased because I worked at the Daily News with him and got and Damo. And 
I, I just think sometimes Les got an unfair shake sometimes because of the way he talks, because of the way he expresses himself. Yeah, it's people like, oh, come on. Like, he is really good at what he does. Yeah, he is. If you listen to what he One said, of the nicer people that you will meet. Yeah, but don't listen to the little bit of a southern draw or, or he talks a little slower. And he's, if just listen to what he says and the points he gets across and how he writes. I always thought that Les wrote some of the best game stories. Um, and I'm not big on game stories. And we in right. our business, we kind of got away from them. But I used to read the Eagles game stories every week because I knew Les would have. And I'm not saying the other guys don't. I, oh. I don't mean it that way. But he, I just think he's one of those real undervalued guys that we will miss when he's no longer part of our local media. And I will give those three gentlemen. Okay. And EJ Smith is with them too. So I should throw EJ, but the three guys who've been around for years, EJ's kind of new on this. Nobody. I'm trying to think of the way I'm not insulting other people. They ask the tough questions. If you were on the conference call um, on Friday night, there was no softballs coming from any of those three. There were direct fastballs up front to Howie Roseman about why did you do this, you know, and all that, which is the questions that if I'm a if I'm a fan, I want answered. And they don't back down to anybody, and they're not afraid of anything. And I, I, I think this is where I'm going to toe the line. You're not going to always get – you're not going to get the company line, and but you're also not going to get a guy who's just screaming to hear himself – Screen from those three. So well, and you're th- and who's the third we're talking about? I just want to make sure. Jeff, Jeff was it Jeff or Damo? Damo right? and Jeff and Jeff. So there's, yeah, there's there's four of them. And right. there's other guys too. I mean, you, you know, uh, the guy who's now at the Athletic that used to uh, Zach Berman's the same way. Zach, Zach, yeah, Zach was. Excellent. But I think, in all fairness, to some other people from, especially from other media forms of media, you are trying to get different things out of a press conference. I I get it. You know, you know, people are trying to get sound bites. They're trying, they, they are trying to lob a semi softball so they can get something that they, you know, and I never liked asking tough question when there was 30 people in the room. That was just me. But I usually could get John Cheney by himself or, or get, um, you know, um, um, uh, oh God, Jay Wright, maybe as he was walking, walking away. away or something, you know, uh, but it's it's not an easy job, especially when no, it's question, not. And I every question you're and you were at baseball ones, so you know this. When every question you're asking is getting scrutinized by everybody, mm-hmm. and if God forbid you ask a dumb question, which we all do at some point in our lives, mm-hmm. you know people, are, oh my God, Mike Kern, what, how, Mike, how could you ask that? But the one thing I hate about especially in the age of Twitter, I hate people who are not at the press conferences, who then ask, well, they don't ask the tough questions. Well, you know what? Then, then, get your rear end down there and ask the question. Yeah. Well, I just, but if you can't be down there, for, I just think it's unfair of people who aren't there no. sometimes to say, well, why didn't you ask that? You know? No, I just it, admire, and I'm not, I admire the people who are direct in the way they question things. And yeah. Les and Jeff and uh, Damo are all very direct in the way they question things. And, and years and, ago, and, Kevin, years ago. And not rude. Not rude, not grandstanding rude, but like direct. Yeah, well, the Eagles might not think that, but yeah, I get. But years ago in the seventies, like when I was coming up, that was the baseball beat. Uh-huh. That was the big beat. That's why you know Bill Conlon was on it. Usually, the best Stan was on it for paper. a while. Uh-huh. 
Right. Right. But the best writers of your paper usually were the baseball beat guys. Now the NFL has become that. And I'm not taking anything away from the baseball guys. I, I don't mean that. No, but, it, but they, that's... they have the same job. They have the same job. And so does Keith Pompey. And so does Sam Carcidi. I mean, but the Eagles beat is the one that gets scrutinized more so. I think the Phillies would be second, Sixers third, Flyers fourth, if that if that's the right order. Um, you know, everything – I mean, look at it. It's the NFL draft, and we've had how much written in the last – and I understand it's a lot of it's because there's nothing else going on. But, but I hate to break it to you. A lot of this would have been written anyway because oh yeah, it's no, the NFL. Right. Yeah, you're right. In uh, this town, been, especially. But we would have been – the Sixers would have been playing last weekend. The Flyers would have been playing. Yeah, The maybe. Phillies would have been playing. So we would have had a lot going on, not just one thing going on. Um. Getting back to, to this whole thing, uh, you and I talked about Let this. Me, hey, before you say this, so if, if, every, if all that other stuff had been going on and the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts, would we have still made? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we would have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, God. It, oh. it, it's pure arrogance, isn't it? Well, let's be fair, though. If three years from now, their first round pick, is, is a good is a really good player, regardless of what Jefferson and, and Lambert. No, no, I'm talking the Hertz pick. I, the Hertz pick. But let's say three years from now, for whatever reason that I can't figure out, Jalen Hurts is making a contribution to this team. Whether it's um that Wentz got hurt, whether it's that he's playing 15 plays a game, uh, whatever that is. Whether he was traded think. for something, yeah. Traded for something. So I'm gonna hold off my judgment of that in that. I can't paint them as idiots unless I'm going to paint them as geniuses three years from now or, you know, four years from now. And I just think, and everybody thinks it's not just me. I mean, Ray Dittinger called it maybe the strangest pick he's seen in 50 years of Eagles drafts. Doesn't mean it won't work out. You know, just means you may stumble. They may stumble on something here. They could Um, go back to 99. And see how many people were not on board with Donovan. How many people either wanted Ricky Wood. They couldn't take Couch because Couch was already taken. Right. Maybe they could have figured out a way to draft up. But I think Cleveland really wanted Couch. Um, but there was a lot of people. That turned out to be one of the best draft picks in Eagles history. But as Les said, you just signed somebody for $124 million. I agree. It, it, and you preached that you couldn't move up because you didn't want to give up that you didn't want to waste or you didn't want to waste the opportunity you had because you had higher picks and all blah 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 or high round picks. And then you toss up, you know, in theory, you're you're getting you're getting a Rolls Royce type price on a guy who's maybe a, a Chevy. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not I saying think- that about Jalen Hurts. I'm saying that. It's a, it's a part you don't need. I think they obviously would disagree with us because they're looking at it as an investment for the future. You know, whether it's two years from now, three years from now, four years. Now, what that means for Carson Wentz, I have no clue. I, I don't know. And they must – they obviously prob- – I'm guessing in my world, they had Jalen Hurts rate it as made, let's say, the 32nd best player in the draft. I'm just making – I'm throwing it out there. And all of a sudden, they get to 53, and he's there. And they look at him. They look at the four players taken after him. Yeah. And they say, well, we think that he shouldn't be this far down. 
You and I wouldn't have done it. A lot of people, I would have, you know, if Jalen Hurts was there in the fourth round, which he wouldn't have been, that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I don't know if they just wanted to take a, like the Washington State guy or Jake Fromm. And it wasn't a great year for quarterbacks once you got past the first couple. But, or if they saw this guy and saw what the Saints did and said, hey, that's the future. You know, see what, um, look, you got a guy like that playing in, in, in Arizona right now. You got a guy like that playing in Baltimore who just won the MVP. So maybe they look at that and say, you know what? Three or four years from now, Jalen Hurts can be one of those guys. And then maybe, and maybe by then Carson's so beat up, which again makes you wonder why they gave him the $130 million. Right. Um, but maybe they had no choice. It's like, it's like, why did the Sixers give, um, you know, uh, the Tobias Harris, you know, all the money they gave him? Well, they had no choice. You know, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, um, the first round pick was, eh, but you could understand it. I, I may not know I, what possessed them to do Jalen Hurts. I if I was ever if I was them and I couldn't get Lamb, okay, and let's say they couldn't, that, that's fine. I would, and and let's say they didn't want Jefferson for whatever the reason, okay, which is I'll possible. Yeah, I'll buy that. I would have traded down. Um, tried to pick up something, whatever, um, and got, let's say you would have gotten the 30th player. I'm, I'm just throwing out a number instead of 21 or tw- yeah, 28, 30, whatever. And maybe you pick up something in the third round, you know, which would have given you yet another player. And then in the second round, maybe you take one of the players you didn't take. And maybe if you could have got like a, a, a decent third round pick to move back, maybe you take Hurts then. I still wouldn't have understood it. But I would have said, okay, at least they got two players that, that you know, I think can help them. Because if I'm Carson Wentz, regardless of what you think of Jalen Hurts or whatever, regardless of what you think he may be, you know, because the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town. I want to help my team. I, I want I want guys to throw to. I want, you know, guys to block. What if Dillard turns out to be a bust? Where are they at That's... right now on their line? Yeah. You got uh, Lane Johnson coming off an injury. You have Jason Kelsey one day away from retiring. Brandon Brooks has an injury history right. now. Right. Yeah. They're, they're I, not, mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't. And that, that pretty much went totally untouched. Well, they took a, I mean, they, they took the guy, the guy later. And, they, but they think he can be a guard. They're going to move. I think they said they're going to move him to guard. I, look, I don't know with fifth. I don't know with offensive linemen once you get past. You know the first five. What do I know? Um, I do know. And the they Cowboys, took the dra- and they took Jack Driscoll from Auburn. Well, I do know the, the Cowboys round. again. I don't know much, but they took a center that they traded with the Eagles to get the center. Yep. I don't know if that center's any. I have no clue. But I think if you're the Eagles and you you pointed this out, I think on our last show, at some point you might want to look at maybe trying to get a center. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that a high pick, but. Yeah, but chances of lightning striking of you getting another Jason Kelsey type guy in the fifth or sixth round are probably not that great. But um, but I get there's also value in certain positions are given certain values, and so oh, yeah. the, the, this season's going to be so strange. I mean, look, you and I, nobody thinks they're going to start on September seventh, play the schedule the way the schedule's supposed to be, or certainly not in front of fans. At, right. At, at least so. 
There's a lot. Of, but I don't think they help themselves that much. Now, Les said he thinks they're a better team, and Les should know. He he, he's, he gets this more than I. And the cornerback's pretty good that they traded for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, Slay. Darius Slay. I just don't. It, 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 I don't know. I, it just seems to me that the way they talk is every year is every year that it's almost like this year isn't like Super Bowl or bust, which maybe it shouldn't be because they're probably not that good anyway. But, man, I and if their draft history in the past had been better, you might sit here and go, okay. Give them a little bit I'll of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Doubt. But there's so many draft picks they've made that, that have, have really screwed up stunk in the last decade. Yeah. Going back to Danny Watkins and Aguilar. I mean, Aguilar did play well in the season they won the Super Bowl. I'll give him that. Uh, Matthews wasn't a great pick. He, he was okay for a while. The guy they drafted last year couldn't get on the field. Maybe he will get on the field this year. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just you sit there and you take the whole, but they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if the Eagles had not won that? Let's say the Falcons won that game. The Falcons came down. They scored with 20 seconds to go. Whatever. Right. Foles never happens. Um, where would be we be right now as Eagle fans? You know, in a strange way, I think we look at Wentz a lot differently. Um, sure. Because we would have felt, well, that would have been the Super Bowl year if Wentz stays healthy. Right. Um, so that's one. Um, I think the head coach probably would start getting second-guessed on stuff, even fairly or not, mm-hmm. uh, because of a couple nine and seven years. Um, and I think the general manager, I think we would call the draft picks more in the question. But we'd be sitting there as a fan base without a Super Bowl. Uh-huh. You know, they've been playing the Super Bowl for 50, 60 years, whatever, whatever it's been. I'm just saying, that Super Bowl, anytime you win a championship, it was like the 08 Phillies. Right. You know, the 08 Phillies, we hadn't won a title in 25, 35 years, whatever it was. Um, it, it eliminates a lot of things. It, it's So now, if the Eagles... If we're sitting here in 2024 and 25, and God forbid they haven't won a Super Bowl again, uh, you know, we can always sit there and go, okay, well, but they won one. As much as it might look like whatever, that gives you a license, like mm-hmm. I, I, you and I have been, I think, to be smarter than you really are. And that's my problem with them. And I don't think the, the head coach feels that way as much. I, no, I, I agree with you. Although he has his moments, though, too. He, do, like, he has his moments, but you know, he, he's kept it, me. But he's kept it under control pretty well. When they're winning. When they're winning. Not when they're losing. When they're uh, losing, it gets a little contentious. Uh, well, but every coach gets contentious when he loses. Well, I, I, understand I think that. the general manager is the one who, who needs to put his ego on, in but, check. But take, take 217 out of the equation. Yeah. The last years of Andy weren't real good. No. Chip had the one good, actually a good year, and then two, three, three quarters of a good year. Oh, yeah, next year was good, but his last couple of years weren't good. Doug comes in, and look, the first year of Doug was never going to be, you know, he went seven and nine, which was pretty impressive given what he, he was left. He had a decent first year for with a first year quarterback. quarterback. Absolutely, but what I'm saying is they don't have a whole lot to hang their hats on in the last decade, but they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and you can't dismiss that, no matter how it happened why it happened, who it happened with, they won a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. And that gives you license for Howie to sit there and tell you you're going to be a quarterback factory. Mm. Uh, let's flip to another topic here. The NBA has announced that in certain 
jurisdictions where it's allowed, and Philadelphia obviously would not be that, Philadelphia or Camden. <clears throat> players are going to be able to go into their practice facilities for individual workouts beginning on Friday. Too soon? Uh, look, is it too soon in Oklahoma City? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't live in Oklahoma City. Is it too soon in Sacramento? You know, I mean, obviously it's too soon here. But again, if you're going into a facility where where nobody is there or only a few people are there, can you properly maintain it? Uh, I don't have that answer. I'm, I'm not going to try to be the President Trump telling Fauci, you know, contradicting what Fauci says. Right. I, I don't have that answer. Like if, if four Sixers are going to their practice facility and they're all at opposite ends of the court doing what they're doing, I don't know if that's a problem. If they're all going into a locker room and then you have to have trainers there and maybe the coach is there. So that's where the issues come into play. And then the other argument for me would be if Oklahoma City can go do that and the Sixers can't or the Nets can't or the Knicks can't, is it, a, is it an advantage? Is it like an unfair advantage? And I don't know if we should be caring about unfair advantages right now, but it would seem to me that when, if you're going to come back, you either have to have everybody come back or you can't have anybody come back. Or am I wrong in that assumption? No, I, I agree. And that's where I wonder if it's too soon. I, I think until we get the underlying question, whether we're going to have any kind of games and any kind of a finish to this season, I think it's premature to allow the Houston Rockets to have an extra three weeks of working out. I mean, if guys live in individual, if guys live in individual localities that have gyms open, okay, there's not much that the NBA can do, okay. I just think team facilities are different. That's just me. I I I just think Kevin, it's a it's a problem the country's facing as a whole. We want to come back. Restaurants want to come back. Okay, tell me how you come back. Macy's wants to come back. Okay, tell me how you're going to come back. You can't just come back. So then it gets back to the question of, well, do we have enough testing or do we have enough precautions? Some people tell you we do. Then medical people come on and tell you we're not near where we have to be. So, but it's this notion that if you tell people, no, I think you should wait another month. They don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that yet. 75% of Americans, apparently, or 80%, when polled, say they don't want to come back. So is it this 20% vocal minority, you know, that's telling you? And and like Les said, I understand why people want to get back. I, I, I get it. When you can't feed your family or can't pay your mortgage or can't, yes, I, I understand that, but if we come back and don't do it the right way, Mm -hmm. which I fear not everyone will. And then we're in a worse shape. Some point two, three, four, five months from now, what have we accomplished? You know, if if you go back to work for a month and then somebody says, Whoa, because the second time we shut down the country, we'll be much stricter about coming back. I would think. And you'd be in the middle of an election cycle. um, And all hell could break loose at that point. Um, you know, I, I you know, if, if it's Joel and B going into a gym, you, you know, but I mean, are all 12, are all 15 Sixers going to show up? You know, are, are you going to have five training people there with them? Um, is the general manager going to show up? Is the coach? I, 
I don't have any of these answers, but to just say that you're going to open their practice facilities, like, what is the commissioner saying? Is he laying guidelines for this? Is he, is he, yeah, that's, you know, if they open my gym in two weeks, let's say, and they say, Mike, you can go to the gym. Okay. Mike can go up and do his, do his walk or whatever. But what does that mean? Does that mean I want to touch equipment? Are they going to have people running around my gym spraying things? Are they going to have, like, I don't have, you know, any of these answers. And I think the problem with reopening the country, whether it's sports, whether it's workplaces, whether it's, um, you know, tattoo parlors or whatever, is how are we doing it and are we doing it? And some people don't care if we do it properly. Right. and, and I think that's foolish in a, in a way. Um, and I'm not trying to say that the people who are who, who don't have any money coming into their house and need the money are stupid. I don't mean it that way. But you have to, we have to be smart. It seems to me we've been fairly smart this last two months or six, six or weeks. seven weeks or whatever it's been. Um, and now America's sick of being smart, yeah. at least the people who are speaking up. If the polls are correct and 80% of people are telling saying no, we, we don't, you know, we don't want to go back yet, or we're not going to go to, you know, we're not going to go to a stadium. Yeah, you know, somebody the other day, and you were probably part of this email, suggested maybe sports could go back and seat people every six seat or whatever. I wasn't okay, part of that no. email. Okay. You were or weren't? Or not. Okay. I'm not I'll tell you later. But anyway, so and they meant well, you know, let, let, here's one way maybe sports can come back. We can sit. Okay. So how do you determine who gets those seats? If you have 20,000 season ticket holders. Oh, and you have family members who have to be accommodated. Only three, three thousand. And I I get it. We're all looking for answers. We're all, we're all trying to come up with something that we can make this work. Whereas I'm of the belief that I would rather do without it as much as it hurts. I would rather do without baseball for a, for hopefully one season. Hopefully one season. It's funny that you mentioned that as I'm reading an article on my computer here that says from Jeff uh, Payson, excuse me, that uh, baseball will return this year, he says. It's just a matter of how. And I'm not doubting that whatsoever. Right. All I'm saying is, let's say until testing gets to where Fauci or or is it Dr. Brick? Dr. Burks. Burks, who are the two most, you know, people who are sitting there. She just came out today, apparently. She was on, like, a TV show and said, we're nowhere near where we have to be. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? She's the doctor. I'm not. So if we're not going to have a vaccine, and I'm I'm hoping optimistically a year to a year and a half, it could be longer than that. Maybe, now, maybe it'll be sooner than that. You know, maybe some guy, like the guy that invented the vaccine. There's an Oxford study right now that says maybe September. And you know what? God bless whoever comes up with that. That it will make everybody's world, you know, easier we can get back to normal by the holidays. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to have that therapeutics. Awesome. You have to be able to have therapeutics which ease it out. If you're not going to get a vaccine, then you have to have therapeutics which are proven effective in, in right. taking the the, right. the symptoms away and making it and right. reducing the reducing the uh, the volatility rate. But then, of course, you know, it's funny. Like I'm. I'm watching the, um, I'm watching, uh, you know, I have CNN on my computer here or on my television down here in the man cave. You know, Cuomo's on saying the hospitalization rates are flattening. It's not a steady decline. That it's a, that it's kind of the same as it's been the last three, four days. 
And that's not a good sign. That means well, that people are. But Kevin, we've talked about it. it's it's a fluid thing. Yeah, it could change every day, and that's why, like when they were saying states shouldn't reopen until they saw fourteen straight days of like a decline. Well, nobody's waiting for that. No, I mean, I mean, Cuomo will wait for it, and the Jersey governor might wait. Jersey for it. governor just announced that he's waiting for that. Yeah, and Wolf might wait for that, but Georgia ain't waiting for it. Colorado, and I'm not saying that the Georgia or Colorado guys are wrong or right, or, or women if the if their governor's a woman. I'm not saying they're wrong or right, but I'm just saying is to say that we're going to go back, like to put people, if you're going to tell me that sports are going to get played with no fans, I'm, 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 if you can do that, that's fine. I have now you, you just touched on all the, the auxiliary issues that go with that family, uh, people that got to be there. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's more so than just saying we're going to have 25 players in a dugout. Um, if we can do that, I'm a, but it doesn't seem like people want to do that. No. It seems like people want to start like that yeah. and then say, but, you know, and if the NFL has to play a whole season, God forbid, with no fans and they get their TV money, it'll be okay. It won't be. We'll survive. Same. We'll survive and, and we'll enjoy watching it on TV mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it 10, 15 years from now and, and hopefully, you know, but I, like I said, I always are on the side of not going back to what we've been through these last six weeks because who the hell wants to do that again? No. Let me ask you. You're, you're what, 44, 45 in 46. there? 46. Okay. Are you, like, if I said to you, Kevin, uh, you're going to start working your jobs again tomorrow, you're going to go back. I, I don't know what the parameters would be in your workplace, mm. whether you'd have to wear masks. Well, whatever, as, a te- as a teacher? And your other job, the, 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 the job that you had gotten that you were going to do on the weekends, right? Yeah, I would go back. Okay. And you would you feel scared? Uh, that's a good question. Um, no. No, because I, I think you were mentioning about the weekend job. Mm-hmm. We both have been in newsrooms and know that weekends are like, you know, it's not like I, I'm, I'm around pe- a ton of people. I'd be around, you know. Right. It's a skeletal crew on a weekend. Right. But but you probably have more. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You have to get there. You know, okay. Um, I'll but, be honest. I, I feel like getting in the car and just taking a ride somewhere right now because I've been I in the house for six weeks. My my wife said, you know, we drove up to a restaurant in Bristol. We know we know the guy. And he was having some special over the weekend that we really like. But it was just to get in the car and drive 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, just to, just to be out there. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of workplaces that if you open them, I just don't know how you adhere to social distancing. Well, at least maybe you got to have some kind of guideline. And I just don't see. And then, so what happens if you went to your weekend job, just say, and somebody tested positive, God forbid your producer, or I don't know, somebody test positive or God forbid you test positive. And then, you know, you got to go quarantine yourself for two weeks and you know, you got to from your wife and then, it, 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 and I understand there, guy, there has to come a point where we have to do that before there's a vaccine. See, I there would have, now you're, you're mentioning on the job front, like I would have more concerns at a school right sure. now. Sure. Because right. there's, how do you socially distance at a school when you have 30 kids in a class? and you? Well, my wife works with elementary school kids. Yeah, okay? and I'm middle my schools. Wife, well, here's the thing. My wife works with autistic kids. Mm-hmm. 
she said to me, she goes, Mike, they're probably not going to wear a mask or they're, or they're going to take right. the mask off or they're going to, how do people address these issues? That's... Like, I, I don't know, but I know one thing. If they make my wife go back to work and God forbid she gets sick, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going, somebody's going to hear about it. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, and I guess the, the answer is we'll tell your wife not to go to work. Well, okay. But that's what we're trying to get away from. You know, right. people are saying you can't just stay in your house forever. You know, these are questions that I don't think Americans ask themselves when they say we need to go back or we need, you know, think about downtown Philly. You, you know, all the people that work in downtown Philly or downtown anywhere, you, right. you know, pick your seat. How do you get even, let's say, half those people to two thirds of those people back in their kind of routine without violating like well, everything that we're trying to do. And my wife created an office in our house. Like, right. Because she's pretty much been told, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. be home for a bit. Right. And even when we go back, you probably will be splitting time. Sure. But like, not everybody can do that. No, but I think you're going to see more, yeah. more work, more of those office workplaces where I agree. half and half, uh, because somebody has to go in and answer mail or, or, have in-person yeah. meetings and all that. I think that is where this has all changed. But our world is even if do we get a vaccine, I think it's going to change our world anyway. Is going to change now, yeah. it might not change. Well, I think we found some things that are for better. I do. Do you think college students mind like doing their their classes all, all, online, or maybe some of their let let's say like you would take four classes a semester, right? right. You know, um, maybe you do two of them online. In, in like the future, like, I, I don't know. Here, I, I don't, here's the, here's like the, the, the fickle, like the, like the, the fickleness in all this. Okay. Like a lot of colleges make their money off room and board. If college students aren't going to go live on campus, a lot of colleges are going to go out of business They're just flat out, you know? So it's not, it's not the tuition. No, it's, it's not okay. No, because the room and board is where they make the bulk of their money. Okay. And can you imagine trying to tell a parent in the fall your kid's going to be safe in our dorm? No. Think about that. There and there were a couple I think the president of Brown had an op-ed in the New York Times yesterday um talking about how we have to have an opening. Look at the big brain on you. <laughs> having an opening having to open schools and in the fall that you have to find a way to make it work because of this reason that schools have to find a way of getting kids back on campus. Um, but, but what was his reasoning? Uh, her, if it's, if it's her dangerous. reasoning was that we need colleges need the atmosphere or colleges need the sense of learning, uh, the sense of camaraderie and there's a financial aspect of what room but, and board does. But see here, but here, okay. So here's my, and it's not just for Brown Brown. Right. Brown will survive this. Brown has an yeah, endowment, Brown, Harvard, right, right. Penn, all these it's, you know, when we talked about this with Dana last week, it's the small schools. It's the, uh, you know, you almost hate saying it. Well, sound St. Joe, uh, those Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania state institutions like yeah. Westchester. But here's my problem, Kevin. But but like the private schools more than private schools more than state schools. You're the president of Brown, 
okay? And, and you're dealing with probably more richer people because, right. you, you know, let, let's say you're a middle class, Westchester. I'll just use Westchester as an example. And you're going to tell a kid, an 18-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, whatever. You're going to pay $50,000 really You really need to be on campus because of this reason. But you might get sick. So you weigh the two. And I understand if a 20-year-old kid gets sick, there's a chance he's probably not going to get real sick. But he might infect somebody. He might infect his parents. Grandparents. Might, whatever. But bottom line is, if you threw the financials out of all of this, and I get it that you, we, the world, we, but think about how tied in the whole world is that we live yeah. to money. You, you can give it all, you can give 10 reasons, but the, the ultimate reason is we need the money. And that's always the, and that can't be the reason that people are going to get sick and maybe die. I'm sorry. I, I, that, that's not good enough for me. Hmm. It just isn't, but you know, and, and I'm a little disappointed to hear the president of Brown put it in those terms. Uh, If God forbid, let's say, God forbid, Brown didn't get back to campus until the the winter, okay? Or, worst case scenario, the fall of 2021. And people are safe and we have a vaccine by then or whatever. What have we lost? Yeah. I I I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Uh, hold on here. Um, there was a note I just saw that I wanted. It was from Christy Eckert. Um, from I believe she's now from the New York Daily News. That um, Hillsborough County, which is where Tampa Bay, uh, okay, in Florida, they're easing their uh, stay-at-home restrictions here. Hold on, mm-hmm. I just actually saw this. Where were they? That she believes that means that the Yankees will start working out in their complexes in the next day or so. And tomorrow, Pinellas County, which is Clearwater and St. Petersburg and Dunedin will likely follow suit. And that means uh, you could see the Phillies and uh, Toronto complexes starting to open up again. Uh, So there's progress on that end. Perhaps from the baseball, maybe going down the same road as the NBA. You're going to have more individual camps opening up here for workouts. So, yeah, and I want to see what happens when the first player gets sick. If there is, if there is a first player, maybe there won't be. But the odds would suggest to you mm-hmm. that at some point, somehow, some way, a player is going to test positive. Then what do you do? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I mean, if, if you're testing players every day, like let's say that the Phillies are working out in Clearwater and Joe Girardi tests positive. Right. Say for sake of argument. And Joe's 60. How old is Joe? Girardi's at least 50s. Okay. So he's in, he's close to being like, like not everybody's a 30 year old. late 50s, yeah. Right. Not everybody's a young guy and physically fit and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Joe's physically fit, but, um, does that mean that you have to shut it down or does it mean that you take that one guy and now isolate him or because he's been around those other 24 guys, do you now have to monitor them? See, I don't know. I, I don't know how this works. Obviously with Rudy Gobert, uh-huh. as soon as that happened, everything's shut. Right. I don't know if anything's changed in six weeks. I, I don't, I don't know that. 
Uh, meanwhile, since as we were doing this, uh, Doug Peterson talked to Mike Chirico on NBC Sports Network. Um, right. Quote from our buddy John Clark, quoting Doug. When I spoke to Carson, I wanted him to understand we value the quarterback position extremely high. I want him to know he's our starter. He is the face of the Eagles. He's our franchise. He's a guy who's going to hopefully take us back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, until he loses three games. And, and I mean... How can you, with a straight face, make that statement? I don't know. I mean, I understand they do. It would be like saying, Kevin, if, um, let's say, this is going to be a bad analogy, but let's say Brian Westbrook was your your running back. Yeah. And he was 27. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, because you can always use more than, but, and then you drafted a running back with, like, the, 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 the you know, no. the 53rd pick in the draft. But it's you're still our starter, player. right? You're still our starter. You know, um, it just doesn't jive. It just, it just doesn't. There, the only reason you take Jalen, unless, like I said, you think Jalen Hurts was such a good value at fifty three that somehow we'll make this work. We'll trade him at some point. We'll do. Although I don't know how you trade a guy if you don't play him. Um, I mean, the Pats traded Garoppolo, but I think he had played some games for them at some point lately. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but. Um, it just it either smacks that they're going to try to do what the Saints are doing, or they have him as a backup in case Wentz gets hurt, which I think is is I don't see how you draft a guy at fifty three as an insurance policy, mm-hmm. or you think that in three or four years that Carson will not will no longer be able to be a quarterback in the NFL, at least at the level you want him to be, and you think Jalen Hurts can. And I'm not sure any of those three make sense to me. Because no. I'm not sure. Do you think in four years Jalen Hurts is going to be a better quarterback than Carson Wentz? I mean, he might. Yeah, I, I don't know. But you just gave a guy $130 million because you thought. I mean, how much of that did they owe him, Kevin? Like in real money? That I don't but, have. Well, but let's say like 80 or 90 Eight, million. Probably, probably 80 or 90. That's a lot of money. You know, uh, there were out clauses I remember because of injury. So I, I'm I'm just thinking that the Eagles are trying to outsmart her. And you know what? They may be right. They may. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jalen Hurts could turn out to be like Jackson or like Kyler Murray. And I'm not still not sold on Kyler Murray because he's playing in a system that's going to work for him, and, and that's. But he showed signs that he was he, he was you know he was decent, but he was the number one pick. And Mayfield was the number one pick, and they both came out of the same system that Hurts is coming out of. Um, it just – and then I don't know, like, how are you going to split the – don't usually – you know, Carson gets most of the reps, right? Yeah. That's the way it usually works. So how is Jalen Hurts going to get better? I don't know. I'll tell you one thing, though. It'll give you a reason to watch the preseason games. Yeah, but well, preseason games. Well, that's the other part. There may not be preseason. <laughs> and think about this. Let's say in the third – it's the third – it's the second one that – there's only going to be three preseason games this year, right? Uh, next year, it's There's three. still four. Okay. There's still four. So the third year. one. Let's say in the fourth preseason game, Jalen Hurts goes 14 for 20, two touchdowns, oh. 240. What's the first story? What's the first thing you and I are going to talk about? Well, when Wentz struggles in week one, yeah. But it won't even get to when Wentz struggles. No. It'll be, oh, my God, the Eagles really did pick a good guy. Oh, my God. And then, at some point, ma'am, should we think about trading Carson? What could we get for Carson? 
I don't know how this is all going to play out, but it it can't. The only way this is good is if the Eagles go to Super Bowl two or three years from now and win with Carson. Yeah. Then nobody will care that they took this guy no. at 53rd, even if it turns out that it was a wasted pick. Yeah. And I don't know if, if – I just don't trust – I guess my best way of putting it is there's nothing the Eagles have done draft-wise in the last decade that would lead me – and that doesn't mean every pick they've made stinks. No, 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 no. They got Sanders. They got uh, Lane Johnson. They, they got a center in the sixth round. They've certainly made some good draft picks. But if you graded their drafts as a whole, I mean, what kind of grade would they get? C, C minus? I don't know. Um, they did move up to take Carson Wentz. That turns out to be what, look, what we thought was a pretty good move. Maybe they don't think it was. Um, but, you know, I just don't have confidence in, in their ability that their thinking is the right kind of thinking. I guess that's my best way of putting it. Uh, I hope they prove me wrong. Man, I, I really do. I hear you. So that is pretty much it for us. I mean, we uh, – didn't, didn't the NHL come out – isn't the NHL trying to do something along the lines of getting their guys back too? Well, they're still. I think they're still a week away from really deciding that, and they're they've okay. talked about that four arena plan. Although right. Vegas now says they want everything, uh, they said one of the problems with Vegas would be finding practice ice. So, and and well, plus I'm not sure Vegas is the place you want to take it. But maybe, you know, maybe Vegas is safe. Maybe you can. Can you imagine taking? They have the hotels. Wait, think about this, though, Kevin. You take 30 NHL teams to Vegas mm-hmm. and tell them they can't go out of their rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't the whole point of being in Vegas is that you're not in your room? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> joining us on joining us on Wednesday will be Shane Victorino, former Phillies outfielder. We'll talk about the 08 team. We'll talk about what he sees from baseball. Heading into Ask him what he sees for hockey. No, say, no, Shane, do you think Vegas could 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 handle that? Yeah, I mean he he's he lives in Vegas. It'd be interesting to hear his perspective on what it's like out there. Uh, yeah, the NFL draft was supposed to be in Vegas this week. Um, you know, it, it look, it's that's it, got to be an interest. That's got to be a strange town to be in when there's nothing going on. Well, oh, I wonder if the fountains at the Bellagio we, are still running. I, I look, but see what we lose sight of is. Vegas is all about the strip, uh-huh. but there's a lot of people that live there that, that never go to the strip or they're just like you and I. Yeah. So we say, what's Vegas like for a lot of those people where they live, it's, it's the same. Like out of Hen- can't go out. Out in Mesquite or Henderson or you know, a or couple of the other towns Vegas. around it. Yeah. I mean, I've driven around Vegas when you get away from the strip, you know, where the Jack in the Box is, or the In and Out, or the, or the, or right. the mall, going up near, going out near Hoover Dam, and all that. Yeah, yeah. But those people are just like us. They're, they're, you know, they're they're sitting there going, "My God, I'm I've been in my house for six weeks, and I can't go." You know, except the so it's almost like two different towns. And I think the visitors are the ones that see the town. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, I, I don't, you know, maybe Vegas would be a good good. Mike, who the hell knows? We'll find out from Shane on on Wednesday. Hopefully by then I will realize not to fight the floor in my house. Uh, I slipped and I broke my nose <laughs> last night, which was uh, not a not a good look for me. You know, I'm playing her. Worse <clears throat> could always be worse. Well, and, and we mentioned how life has changed, Mike. 
honestly, if this happened last night, I'm in the emergency room. And, you know, I'm getting it reset or whatever or, or what. And when this happened, I didn't want to go to the emergency room because you don't want to tie up beds with something or, uh, you know, not beds, but space with something that's kind of trivial, you know, and you I've end up doing telemed. I've been to emergency rooms like three or four times with my son. A couple times he had he had bad my I, I forget right. why exactly we went. So we were around the corner at Tarsdale Frankfurt, which is yeah. not Jefferson. Uh, I went once with my wife when she f- fell on her hip. Um, I think that's about it. I, I hate emergency rooms. There, there's nothing worse in the world than em- you sit there. Literally, and the people are doing the best they can for like six, seven, eight hours. Yeah. And you're seeing these people across the room. I remember the one guy's leg was bleeding, and I'm looking going, don't they have to do something with him? And finally we got in, and I actually, and I'm I'm bad at this because I have no patience whatsoever. And I finally said to like a nurse, nurse, yeah, we've been here five hours. Like, can you try? And I think they expediated us a little bit, but it's horrible. It's not the people's fault. It's not the people's fault in, in the in the emergency room because you know, if they get somebody in who's really really serious that they got to deal with, you're put you're getting put on hold. Well, and um, that was the thing, like you know, one with COVID, you know, you don't want to risk yourself nah. to exposure. Two, you know, a lot of these places are are really you know overwhelmed. And your wife couldn't have went in, right? Right. She would have had to sit. She would have had to have gone home because we're yeah. around the corner. We're even closer than you are to Targ right. now. Um. Yeah. And you would have had to wear a mask. I would have had oh, to have I'm worn sorry. a mask, six, which would have probably six, fallen right across the spot where I hurt my nose. Yeah, yeah. It's um. People I, get in bar fights. Hold on. This is the thing. This is my luck. People, like, get broken noses, you know, playing sports, you know, get a bad elbow in basketball or, you know, you know get in a bar fight or something. I lose it because I slip on the floor. <laughs> hey, I, I wish I had an explanation for you, pal. It's just. You know what's going to be real interesting in all this, Kevin, is to see where we're at when we come out of this. Oh yeah. Whenever that is, and I don't know where. I, I'm if if you ask me my guesstimate, I would say probably sometime next year around this time. Yeah, we'll know. we might have a vaccine, or we might be, you know, we might be able, like, but how do we get back to where planes, like, we're getting on planes or you trains? Know, you know, it's or, funny. The, the graphic just on CNN as we're talking is TSA reports uptick in, in, in flights. Right, but uptick could mean they had three more flights today. No, I mean, no, no, people on flights, passengers on flights. No, no, I agree with you. But what I'm saying is to get back to where we were right. before this happened, where, where you and I would just say, hey, we're going to Tampa, let's book a flight. You know, till to, to we get to that point, till we get to where the restaurants are pretty much back to where we knew they were to where shopping malls are, are, and I'm not sure we'll ever quite get nope. back to where exactly we were. Well, I think we'll get back to pretty close to that. Well, I think we'll get back uh, economically. I think we'll get back to it. I, I, Oh, I do too, but it could take a while. while. It, it could take longer than I think we think. And that's assuming that nothing else stupid happens, happens in the world. Like two years from now in Saudi Arabia or something right. that I have no idea is going to happen. Um, you know, we've been kind of lucky through all this. I mean, there's been some tornadoes in the Southeast and, and, but can you imagine like if we got a Katrina in like, like Labor Day weekend Man, don't, on don't top of this, there. 
I, but but you know natural disasters yeah, I know. Um, I can't even imagine what you would do in a situation like this. But I mean, people in the southeast are dealing with tornadoes. God God bless them. Um, where they've kind of towns have kind of been hit really hard. Uh, it, it's and and I think about all the sacrifice, not just Americans, people around the world have made. It's really amazing that most of the people are really trying to adhere to this yeah, and trying are. to make the best of it. You know, it's not easy. Yep. So, all right, Michael. I uh, think. Take care of that nose, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to try. I mean, it's. Hey, are those chocolate chip cookies still waiting for me or, or have they they're, been they're around here somewhere. My wife yeah, actually, what? my wife actually made a mint chocolate or mint. Cookies, mint chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, but I'm not as big on them. They're they're, they're good, but her chocolate chips, yeah, are really good. I got I got to see if she still has them. Upstairs. Nah, hey, look, we can wait. I, okay. I'll trust. I'm in no rush. All right, but at some point, you know, I got to drop headphones off to you too. We're doing fine. Yeah, we'll do it when we do it. Yep. See you Wednesday. All right. My thanks to Les Bowen for joining us. All right. Thanks to you for joining us. We'll see you again on Wednesday. This has been Work of the Beat.